Hey, this is R Dub from Sunday Night Slow Jams, and you're listening to hashtag Dad Swag, the swaggiest place on earth for all fathers and father figures alike. And now, here's your host, my brother, JC. Yes, yes, what's good? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Hashtag Daswag Podcast. As you heard in the intro, I'm your host, JC, and it is such a blessing to be here. And I say that all the time, and I don't feel like I can say it enough, how much I appreciate you guys for tuning in, coming back and tuning in, sharing this podcast with uh, the people you love and on your social media platforms. You know, it, it it's really a testament to you guys what we're doing here so thank you so much for spending some time with me today today is august 7th and like i said in the last episode man august is going to be lit for the dad swag click man like we got some dope guests some fire topics so make sure you keep coming back keep sharing on your social media platforms stay engaged because we're about to take this thing to another level man and with that let's jump right in no more warning shots season one episode eight And, oh wait, you know what, speaking of seasons, I meant to ask this last week, but speaking of seasons, how many episodes do you guys think I should make each season? Uh, Maybe I'll make that a poll on my IG and we can vote from there. Whatever number gets the most hits, we'll run with that. So make sure after this episode, you head over to Dad Swag Podcast on IG and make your vote. But in the seven published episodes... Man, I got to say that I'm super overwhelmed by the love, the condolences, the well wishes that I've received when speaking about my injury. So for those who actually reached out and said, hey, man, what happened? Well, today's the day you find out. But even more so than just finding out how and what happened, you're going to hear about how it's affected me as a husband and as a father. However, for personal reasons. I won't go into detail about the who or the where, but the story isn't as exciting if I don't at least tell you the what and the how to some degree. So on March 16th of this year, obviously, the Bay Area, California, officially announced that the shelter in place mandate would go into into effect for um, essential businesses and essential workers. Now, flashback six days prior, like we all knew about the coronavirus, we heard the rumblings in the Bay Area. We heard about the cruise ship, you know, that had people affected by it, etc. But we never thought that we would actually go into a lockdown. And you can't see my fingers, but I'm doing the <laughs> I'm doing the air quotations, the lockdown. But let's be real: like a lot of us never really believed that it would happen. Uh, like especially to the magnitude it happened. I know I didn't. I I was a part of a group that was super naive, uh, that super doubted. I thought, you know, we would get it under control before it even got to this place. You know, we're we're talking about a lockdown. That didn't happen with SARS. That didn't happen with H1N1. Like, that was just crazy to me that we were going to go on a lockdown. So, on Tuesday, March 10th, I, I, I can honestly say 
life changed for me. At least in my eyes, it changed. I can now only believe that it was according to a much bigger plan that God had for my life. You know, on on Tuesday, March 10th, at 2.45 p.m., I was severely injured, like severely. Like my final diagnosis was I had a broken fibula. My ankle was broken in two places. I had a severely torn ligament. My second and my fourth toe were broken. I had multiple foot fractures, blisters, and literally the worst swelling some doctors said they had ever seen. They call this a total crush injury, and they labeled me temporarily totally disabled. Let's put it like this. For all my baseball fans, especially the ones in the Bay Area and more specifically the Giants fans, Remember in 2011 when Scott Cousins hit Buster Posey at home plate and ended his season? And from there, that sparked what they call now the Buster Posey rule, where basically saying you can't go out of your way to make contact with the catcher at home plate. Well, it's the same exact injury, except replace Scott Cousins, who's what, maybe 205 pounds at the most? Replace him with a form of transportation around 5,000 pounds. And instead of it being a head-on collision, imagine that catching you off guard and rolling over the back of your hill and then dragging you down. And then, (laughs) if you will imagine the craziest blisters you've ever seen in your life, all over your foot. And then, because they're blisters, they have to be cut open and drained can you imagine that yet let's say it like this imagine combining professor clump's foot and freddy krueger's foot then you have my foot look it's so bad that my two-year-old god bless his honest heart (laughs) my two-year-old looks at my foot screams and calls it the monster foot when he called it the monster foot for the first time unprompted do you know do you know how bitter i was towards that little boy like man if he was 10 years older i would have done something because i was so embarrassed and so mad that he called it the monster foot look if you don't feel my pain yet bro imagine working out super hard like you're super dedicated your, your diet's right um and you're bulking up your shoulders are big biceps are big chest big and then your teacher tells your kid draw a picture of your dad and he draws a stick figure that pain and ladies if you're laughing oh no don't ask your husband or your fiance or your boyfriend or whoever you're with if this dress makes you look fat Because we're always going to say what we got to say to save our ass. No, ask a toddler because he'd be honest, 100% honest. And then come talk to me and we'll cry about it together. But here's the thing with all that. I knew that I would be physically, temporarily, totally disabled. The doctor told me that, so I knew that. But no one ever said anything about me being emotionally, mentally, and spiritually disabled as well. That night in the hospital was the worst. 
Hands down. My wife was sitting next to me one minute. She goes to the car to grab something the next minute. And then she's coming back grabbing a purse and saying, they said I can't stay because of the pandemic going on. It was the worst physical pain I had ever felt in my life. And then when I was discharged the next day, to make matters worse, due to what's going on in the world, I couldn't get into surgery for over two weeks. Now, for those of you who are returning listeners, and for those first-time listeners, you guys know, or you will know, that I have a son with special needs. But what you don't know, what I haven't told you, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. What I haven't told you is he has a superpower. (laughs) His superpower is that he loves without restraint. I mean, he loves unashamed. He loves unfiltered. He truly loves unconditional. But in that, he's so connected to emotion. He's so connected to vibes. Like my son is a vibe. He's so connected to it that he can't stand to be around bad vibes or negative vibes or sad vibes. (laughs) I didn't see my son for almost two weeks because he couldn't deal with the anxiety that seeing me in pain caused him. Now, I've seen him every once in a while, obviously, like when he would come upstairs and, um, you know, take a bath, he'd walk past my room or whatever the case may be. But for the most part, I didn't hug or kiss or hold him for nearly two weeks. And it's not even that he didn't want to be in the same room as me. No, no. He didn't want to be in the same area of the house as me. And it it kind of crushed me, man. Like, I, I really missed him. And he's my eldest. But that two-year-old, <laughs> Mr. Monsterfoot, You know what? I gotta say this. I have no doubt in my mind that when I leave this earth, he will lead this family and honor my legacy while making his own legacy and just do amazing things in life. Even if that amazing thing is just being an amazing man and a great human being. But he's so loving and boss, I mean assertive (laughs) he's so loving and assertive like his mother all he wanted to do was give me my meds and order me to drink water and he sounds just like his mom and speaking of her (laughs) she woke up every four hours through the night to give me my meds and every four hours during the day now because like i explained my eldest couldn't stand to be in the same area of the house is me she set up camp downstairs with the boys on average i went to sleep around 8 p.m and woke up around 7 or 8 a.m so that means through the course of the night my wife woke up three times to walk upstairs and give me my meds she took care of two energetic and i mean these boys got endless energy if you are a dad or mom of boys you know exactly what i'm saying these boys got crazy energy she took care of them all day cleaned the house she cooked two to three meals 
separate meals two to three times a day. And what I mean by that is she cooked me whatever I could stomach to hold down. Her and my youngest would, they'd, they'd eat the same thing, whether he's eating off her plate or she makes him a little plate. They eat the same food for the most part. But my eldest, he has a texture problem. So he's very selective. He has about two to three go-to meals that he, he chooses from. Breakfast is normally one or two different things. Lunch, pretty much the same thing every lunch. And then dinner, again, two to three different things. So two to three different meals, two to three times a day. <laughs> and of course, she had to do all the shopping, run all the errands in the middle of a global pandemic. When the height of the hoarding and toilet paper snatching and panic was at its peak, my wife was out there while I was laid up. You could say it was an accident, it's not your fault. You had no control over that. But who can say that? Who, who can say that they're okay with that? As a husband, as a, a father, as a man, who can be okay with that? And then you turn on the TV or you look at Facebook or Instagram and mainstream media is broadcasting on every station all the coverage of the panic and pandemonium and I just heard my wife leave to go to the store to stock up on whatever she could find on her own. Just two weeks ago, I was rolling around, dancing, wrestling with my boys and now one can't stand the sight of me and what do you say to the sad face of a two-year-old to help him understand that it's not that daddy doesn't want to play with you. It's that daddy can't play with you. I can't roll around like we were. I can't stand up and dance with you. I can't chase the ball after you throw it. I can sit here and you can throw a ball to me. But... At this point, the meds are so heavy that I'm almost totally out of it. Now, I'm not sure why this is, but I'm pretty sure my conscience speaks to me in Ebonics. Because all I could hear was this loud voice saying, Bruh, what kind of man is you? You're useless. Your wife is out there fending for herself alone. And you in here, letting down your sons. And the word I just kept hearing and the word I felt like I kept seeing was less. Less of a husband. Less of a father. Less of a man. I couldn't do anything, yo. I was dependent on everything but me. Every day I withdrew a little more, I swear. Like, I felt like I was withdrawing and going down this, this rabbit hole. More and more. Wasn't eating. Barely sleeping. I was just there. <laughs> Every time I heard that front door close, I knew my wife was going out. She was going out to face the chaos alone. I became more and more depressed. The little voices of laughter that fill my life with so much joy were sounds that 
broke my heart little by little. I felt like a legit stranger in the house. Like I wasn't even a part of the game. And even more so, I wasn't even sitting on the bench. I was a fan sitting in the nosebleeds. I was a spectator to my family. To make matters even worse, (laughs) as if they could be, right? My youngest celebrated his second birthday a few days after surgery. There's that voice again. Bruh, what kind of man is you? You're useless. Isn't it bad enough that your baby is celebrating his birthday in a quarantine? You did nothing to make this day special. Your wife did all that. Then it just starts like mocking me, right? It just starts going off like, you can't take out the trash. You can't wash the dishes. You're denying your son's playtime. You can barely use the bathroom by yourself. You sure can't take a shower by yourself. So how can you help with bath time to give your wife a break? Bruh, what kind of man is you? You're useless. Man, let me tell you something. If you give the devil a crack, he'll make a crater. (laughs) But my self-pity was more than giving him a crack. My self-pity was giving him an invitation. My self-pity turned into anger. My anger into resentment. And in my resentment, I grew bitter. I was short-tempered, withdrawn, unmotivated. (laughs) The list goes on, man. Not only am I disabled physically, I've now allowed myself to be disabled mentally and emotionally and spiritually. I could not understand why God would allow something like this to happen, especially now in this time. Like you're the all-knowing, you know exactly what we were gonna go through. You knew exactly what this world was going to endure. Why would you allow me to get hurt and force my wife to deal with this panic and pandemic alone? God, she's out there with all these crazy people. And yeah, I I get it that you're watching her and you're protecting her and I hope you are. But that doesn't mean that evil stuff doesn't happen all the time. She's out there alone without protection, without me. Without me, her strength. Because I'm the one that protects this family every day. I'm the one that's supposed to be on the front lines. This is my family. I'm the head of household. But that's my ego. And a wise man once told me, ego stands for erase God out. And it seems like that's what I had done. Here's the irony in all this. You know, I was named after Joseph in the Bible. Joseph the dreamer. Joseph the coat of many colors. Joseph who was sold into slavery and eventually went on to save Egypt. And I don't think that it's a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that he coins one of my favorite and one of the most popular quotes from the Bible. Genesis 50:20. You meant evil against me, but God used it for good. But in my self-pity, I wasn't ready to see that yet. I wasn't ready to accept that. I didn't want to hear it. By this time, that's why a podcast on IG was um it was gaining a little traction and I was maybe two or three episodes deep into the hashtag that's why podcast what you're listening to now 
but I was hiding. I'm just being real with you guys, man. I was hiding behind a podcast. I was hiding behind funny dad memes and true facts. My wife and I had a conversation, and in that conversation, eight words stood out. Nah, hold on. Before I before I get in any trouble, baby, if you're listening, if you're gonna listen, I do remember the whole conversation. I was paying attention. I was being very attentive. But it's just these eight words that woke something in me. She said, I need you and our boys need you. Let me tell you something. Those eight words rattled my spirit. When I say that I was rattled, when I say that something was awoken in me, I mean, I started looking at life a little differently. I thought about the past, I thought about the present, I thought about the future. (laughs) You know, the last time I was stripped of status, here's my um, air quotations again, you can't see it, but I'm doing it. The last time I was stripped of status, I was forced to look at walls. God needed to get my attention. He needed to know if I understood my purpose, or at least that I understood he had a purpose for me. Would I move on to fatherhood or would I continue with foolishness? And then he put a timeline on it. Obviously, because I'm not doing life beyond bars. So here I am, again, staring at walls, stripped of my title and my self-proclaimed entitlement. Because technically, I'm an essential worker. But obviously, I'm physically incapable of working. So now, I can no longer use the excuse of working hard or working long hours to justify my lack of involvement or my lack of presence or use that as my biggest or one of my biggest contributions to my family. So now again, forced to sit down, forced to look at walls. God needs my attention for something. So instead of asking, why God? Now I'm saying, what God? Like, what do you need me to see? What is it this time? And remember, I'm only temporarily totally disabled. So again, he put a timeline on it because I didn't lose my leg and I will recover. So now that I'm asking what God, I'm realizing that I need to focus more on turning my direct deposits into investments. Investments of time, investments of love, care, attention. Because even if I had no job, or if I didn't make the money that I make, or have the money coming in now that it's lessened, my family would still need to know if we were homeless living on the street in a cardboard box, that I'm still there. That I'm still present. That I'm still trying. That I haven't given up. From March 10th, 2020 to now, I have been in some of the most excruciating pain physically, but also mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. But what is meant for evil, God uses for good. Because now I truly feel my passion is aligned with my purpose. And that purpose 
That purpose is to speak life and love into your dad's swag journey while I try to progress and strengthen my own. It's to keep you aware and prepared for hardships that may or may not come along your journey and to help surround you with support of a strong social foundation to uplift you for when you need it and celebrate you when you achieve it. And I've attached some IG pages below of men who I know that will be that community for you. Last thing I'll say is this, man. <laughs> Life happens. Life happens quick, fast, and hard, man. But trust God. Because he can take a terrible situation and turn it into a blessing. Your life, your story, your testimony can be a blessing to someone else. I hope what you're hearing from me in these last now eight episodes has been able to bless you and add value to your life one way or another. You know, I'm kind of anxious to see what the next lesson and what the next white walls look like. <laughs> but I do know when it comes, I'll be ready. But if it comes for you and you're not ready, reach out to me. And like I said, reach out to the pages below. Because I'll be ready with a prayer. I'll be ready with an ear. You know, like the greatest basketball team in the world says, there's strength in numbers. There's also power in prayer. And prayer changes things. But that's all I got for this week, man. And just always remember, iron sharpens iron. So until next time, love and blessings to you and yours. Me and my